Hey, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon that you've heard here on the campus. I will welcome you, but I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church, and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so uh, if this, hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth, but I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, 9, 30, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. Good morning. All right, let's do this. Genesis chapter 12, get your Bible out. I got a lot to cover, a short time to do it. Uh, man, that's what happens when a preacher doesn't preach for five weeks. All right, it's going to be a fire hydrant, uh, and you're going to be drinking out of it. So Genesis chapter 12, if you have your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, Lord willing, there's a one in a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? We would love for you to have a copy of the Word of God and read that on a regular basis. I want to encourage you um, to be reading Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 20 on your own as we go through the life of Abraham and we begin to unpack that. We started this series last year. I really wanted you guys as a body of believers to really investigate and spend some time in the book of Genesis. And for me to do it all in one go around would be 50 weeks, right? So I've just broken it up each year. We're going to start the new year with the beginnings and, and looking at what God has. And so we're going to do the life of Abraham, who is the father of our faith. Uh, had a rough week, man. I got back from Thailand. We... Uh, we were, uh, one of the hotels we stayed at in Bangkok had a uh, fitness center. It was a really nice fitness center. And in this fitness center, which you can tell I don't make much use of that, but anyway, but in this fitness center, um, there was a hot tub. And so, you know, the one day we were driving with the team, going to one of the places we were going to see, and I made the joke of like, who... Who uses a hot tub in a third world country? That's a crock pot for parasites and disease, right? And so... Well, me and Bill MacArthur used it, and me and Bill got sick this week, so who knows. But um, yeah, I was down with a fever for a couple of days, and a couple of my pastoral staff were really kind. They texted me and said, hey, I can preach if I need to. And I was like, if I don't preach for five weeks in a row, I'm going to get fired. So uh, I'm going to be showing up on a cot if I need to. So it's great to be here. I'm excited to start this series with you. I hope you're excited. I really want you to be in a small group. So if you're not in a small group, I need you to be in a small group, okay? And we're gonna take a seven-week commitment, seven-week journey together. We're gonna intersect what's taught here with your life. You're gonna get to know some of the people coastal. And so I really want you to do that. While you guys are kind of getting ready, and by the way, preparation for the small group is a note sheet in your bulletin. And uh, while you're kind of getting all that out, let me just kind of do a public service announcement. Okay, here's the public service announcement. This is the time of year we fill up, okay? And so our 9.30 and 11 o'clocks are usually really, really packed. And for us to continue to grow as a church, uh, we need, I always say you need parking, children's space, and seating capacity. You need all three of those, okay? And so, so if it's possible for you, and you and your family would consider it if it works for you, I, w- I do want to remind you we have an 8 o'clock service, and that's really a service that I know it's really convenient for probably about 10 people in there. And then the other 150 are like, we do it for the good of the church. So, you know, if that's something that you would consider, it works out for you, you're kind of early riser, you're up anyway, you know, consider that so that we can continue to grow and reach our peninsula with the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Fair enough. He's like, man, he gets back from Thailand, he's already yelling at us. I haven't even started, okay? I am going to step on your toes this morning, um, and hopefully it's the Word of God that does that. I, um, there is a particular sermon that this sermon parallels 
um, that I have preached at Coastal multiple times. It's actually a sermon I've, I've probably preached somewhere in the range of four to six times. Uh, I usually do it in a year that I think, man, we're going to have a challenging year as a church, uh, that God is stretching us, and, and we have to th- be reminded that, that faith is never an easy journey. And so, um, and so that sermon that I have preached, I, I titled it, Living in the Stretch. And in that sermon, I remind us that as Christians, we follow God in faith, and I'm going to talk about that here in the sermon this morning, and uh, but, but it's not always easy. The journey of faith can be, can be difficult. And, and God calls us oftentimes to be uncomfortable. The first time I preached that sermon entitled Living in the Stretch was exactly 16 years ago today. It was the first time I preached it. I preached it to about 60 to 80 adults. Okay, so to put it in perspective, it was if you took these two front sections, that's the number of people I preached that sermon to. On the agenda of the church that morning, after the service, the members were going to vote to dissolve their church and merge with another church. I had been the pastor there for less than eight months. Somehow, in my young 30s, I thought that was a good idea. All right, and, uh, and so those 60 or 80 people took a journey, and I challenged them with this sermon, Living in the Stretch. And so after the service, we talked about faith. We talked about how God stretches us. The, this group of members voted, and they voted unanimously to dissolve their church and merge with another church with the idea of, hey, I think we can do more together than apart, Now, I want to, y'all didn't move with that. So let me give you a little background. Most of these people came from Baptist backgrounds and they voted unanimously. All right. So let me just, that's the first miracle. Okay. And they voted unanimously because they believed that we could do more together as a church and they believed God was in it and they trusted the leadership of their church and things like that. We, the, lo- the physical location of this church, because the church is not a building, right? You know that. It's not this building. It's not the church. You're the church if you're a follower of Christ. The physical location of this building was on Warwick Boulevard, what used to be the Kinney Shoe Store, is my understanding, and after that was an auto parts store. And so following the vote, one of the things that shocked me as a, as a young man, a young 30-year-old pastor, I watched some of our senior adults, some of them have gone home to be with the Lord, and I watched them, and I, I watched them hug, and they cried in this moment. And I was a little bit taken aback by that, but in hindsight, it was just my immaturity. As I realized, man, these people have given their time and their talent and their treasure into this physical location. Some of them got saved here for the first time. Their awareness of the gospel happened in this physical location, and they were moving, and that was difficult. And so I preached the sermon living in the stretch. I started this sermon, I've used this illustration many times every time I preach this sermon, with the story of the lobster. I don't know if you know how a lobster grows. Lobster's got its hard shell. 
And every so often, in order to expand, if it doesn't expand, it'll die within that shell. But in order to expand, it's got to molt out of its old shell and, and then regrow, if you will, its new shell. This generally gives the lobster about a 15% growth capacity, which is great for us who like to eat lobster, right? We want to see that growth. Now, I don't know if lobsters have feelings, but let's assume for a minute they do, okay? There's a two-week period where the lobster has sloughed or molted out of its old shell, and now it doesn't really have a shell. It actually has to hide itself for a two-week period while its, while its new shell regrows so that it's protected from its enemies. And I suspect if the lobster had feelings, that's a fearful two weeks, Right? It's uncomfortable. I don't want to become part of the food chain. Especially at Red Lobster, where I can enjoy the food chain, okay? So, and I, I use that illustration, you know, sometimes our faith is like that. It, there's, there's these moments where, and it's not all the time, and God allows us to, to enjoy the blessings that he's given us, but there are times in our journey where God calls us to stretch and to grow for maybe a 15% growth capacity, that we're, be, we're being molded more and more into the image of Christ through faith. And Abraham is that picture for us. So in the beginning, very beginning, the book of Genesis, God is laying out for us this man's life that is the seeds of faith that we enjoy spiritually today. In fact, if you're here today and you're a Christian you're in the spiritual downline of Abraham. You're a part of fulfilling this great blessing that God said, hey, you're gonna have as many kids as the stars of the earth. That's why we sing this. Remember the little Sunday school song? Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons. No, anybody? No, 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 And I was one of them and so are you. And you know, like, I'm not, how am I a child of Abraham? You know, I'm German, you know, I don't even know. And so, and so it's a spiritual thing because you're a journeyer of faith. In fact, check this out. In Galatians chapter three, the apostle Paul talking about Abraham <clears throat> said, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. What does that mean? Well, listen, if you're here this morning, you're a Christian, you're a, you're a Protestant Christian, kind of from the spiritual downline of Martin Luther, who I highlighted in that song, right? You understand this is one of the great doctrines of Christianity that our salvation, our righteousness is not something we earn. It's not doing, okay, it's been earned for us and it's credited to us by God's grace through faith in the word of God. And so Abraham was, is, the, is the father of this idea that God told him to go somewhere and he went and his faith was credited to him as being righteous or in right standing before God. Not because he did, but because he believed. Does that make sense? And so this is one of these great doctrines. So Paul is latching on to Abraham and he says, he believed God and it was counted him as righteousness. Verse seven, know then that is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you, all the nations will be blessed. I want you to circle that in your handout. Okay, I'm gonna really hammer that in a little bit. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, 
the man of faith. And so we finished last year, one chapters one through 11, creation all the way to the Tower of Babel. And now we're gonna park at Abraham, who is the father of our faith. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, you are in the spiritual downline of Abraham, who was a man that believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so this is where we're gonna park this morning. So let me, we're gonna start in chapter 12. Let me give you a summary of chapter 12. And I wanna pull out four quick points that I think will help us in our journey of faith, all right? These are things we can learn from Abraham that still apply today. So the first thing is in chapter 12, we see that Abraham is in the land of his relatives and God says, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And so Abraham, and we learn from this that Abraham is 75 years old. He packs up his stuff and he goes. That's a big deal. Yesterday I had the privilege, I use that word lightly, of helping a friend move. Okay, and so... Um, and my wife and I have this dream in our heart that one day we'll downsize. And every time I think that would be a really good idea to downsize, I help someone move. I don't want to pack all my knickknacks up. That's brutal, right? And listen, he's 75 years old. How many of y'all are taking care of an adult, a senior adult parent that you're like, I really think you need to move out of your house. How does that usually go? Right? It's hard, right? No one wants to move. You know, it's one of the big stressors on your life. And so Abraham at 75, God says, I want you to go to a land I'm going to show you. Can you imagine you get done packing? Which way? Just start going. I'll take you a step at a time, right? And then he's in, he gets to the promised land with Lot and his family and a famine hits. And so Abraham then goes to Egypt so he can eat. While he's in Egypt, he's worried that the pharaohs of Egypt are gonna take a liking to his beautiful wife, who we know is 10 years younger than her. So that means she's 65 and he's afraid, man, they're gonna think you're a hottie. And so just tell them you're my sister. As you read the text, they think she's a hottie, to which I'm like, man, give me some of that facial cream. How do you look that good at 65? I would like some of that, you know? And so, and so they go down, and so he lies. Sarah lies, okay? And agreeing with Abraham, she lies, and, and, and Abraham is protected. And we're gonna kind of unpack that in just a few minutes. Now, let me say a couple things. First of all, those of you nerdy theologians, you're always like, his name's not Abraham yet, it's Abram. Yes, the name change comes in chapter 17, but just for the sake of us all being on the same page, I'm gonna call him Abraham, okay? How many of y'all, let's be honest, how many of y'all are like super nerdy? Like he keeps saying Abraham, it's not Abraham, it's Abram. Be honest, raise your hand and, okay, a couple of them. Nate, I know it was you. <laughs> you just didn't raise your hand. So there's, there's a couple of things you have to keep in mind when you're reading Genesis, okay? So let me give you a little bit of context. So first of all, there's the story of Abraham itself. So we're reading what happened, but there's also the recording of the story. Like this story is actually being recorded by Moses to a bunch of recently freed Hebrew slaves, right? So the, the nation of Israel is in captivity in Egypt. God raises up Moses, all the plagues, crossing the Red Sea. They're crossing the wilderness. They're going to the promised land, okay? And as they're going to the promised land, God instructs Moses to write the Pentateuch, essentially, the first five books of the Bible. And so now you can imagine the original readers of this story are going, oh, we're in the process of fulfilling the promise that started way back with Abraham. Isn't that cool? 
And then we see in Galatians 3 that it also applies to us because we're the children of anybody that's a believer and righteousness is credited by faith is also a child of Abraham. So we see there's really three audiences here, all right? And so that's the story of Genesis 12. Now, let's, let me give you four points. Here we go, ready? That's what happens when I don't preach for five weeks, man. That's just the intro, all right? You'll get out on time. Here we go, Genesis 12, 1. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. This is the beginnings of teaching of faith. Abraham had to walk by faith. Now, let me, let me unpack a couple things about faith. When I use the word faith, what do I mean? When I talk about faith, I am talking about having faith or believing in God's word. Because we live in a culture where faith is highlighted, right? It's okay to have faith. It's just, to me, sometimes it's just nebulous, Sometimes I think we, we teach to have faith in faith. I'm not encouraging you to have faith in faith. I'm encouraging you to have faith in God's word. Why? Because, because God's word is true. That the root of the Christian faith is the understanding that, that the Bible is God's word and it is true and it is accurate and it's trustworthy. And the God of the Bible that we worship, his character is one that communicates. He communicates clearly and his word can be trusted. And so we act upon believing the truth of God's word. Faith is not this nebulous thing, right? George Michael. Now you got to have faith, faith, faith. Done that three services, so embarrassing. I should have stopped in service one. Anyway, it's my, it's my worship team audition. Anybody, you guys want me up here? What is he singing about? Well, in that particular song, he's singing about this broken earthly relationship that he has that's all twisted and mess, but he's gonna have faith that it's gonna work out. Well, that's weird. It may or may not work out. I don't know. I mean, if you live in our culture long enough, what are they? You just got to have faith in your heart. Listen, I've let myself down so many times. I, I don't even know that I can trust myself. Do you? So surely, like, it's, I want to have faith in something that's safe and secure and true and trustworthy. I'm not talking about a nebulous thing. I'm talking about having faith in the word of God. And Abraham took God at his word and he got going. He packed up and he said, let's go. The second thing about faith, faith always has a go element to it. There's a, there's a peace in faith that says, man, I don't get to stay where I am. There's, a, there's an element to faith that requires that we live in the stretch. We get stretched a little bit. There's an element to faith that requires obedience. Now, obedience is not earning God's credit. Obedience is the overflow of I've taken God at his word. Hebrews 1 says, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so faith moves us from the known oftentimes to the unknown. It's going to stretch us a little bit. 
And the thing is, is that God doesn't always lay out the whole plan, right? Abraham, I want you to go to a land I will show you. He doesn't even tell him what land he's supposed to go to. Just get going. That's why I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you don't have this committed to memory, let me encourage you, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and I'll make your path straight. But just trust me. <clears throat> Get going. Get moving. I always love when I go to the doctor and he's like, hey, you need to lose 10 pounds. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's actually grown to more like 15 pounds. Anyway, it's not his business. Anyway, I'll eat what I want. And then what he does, he goes, listen, I, he gives me a sheet of paper with a food pyramid on it. And I'm like, doc, it's not information. I know what I'm supposed to eat, okay? It's transformation. I need to eat better. My suspicion is for many of us in this room, like, you have your Bibles and you're inundated with Christianity if you want it and radio and podcasts and, you know, stacks of books. And we have all this information and you're hoping for this new kind of informational thing. And what we really need is transformation to obey the word of God. Why? To show that we believe it. I mean, there's some of you like, like you're single here today and and I'm, I'm super passionate about this. I probably need to do a spiritual formation class on this because I've done it before, but it's been a while. But, you know, I do a seminar on how to find a great mate. And one of the things I say to the singles is like, man, if you're dating someone and they're, they're leading you away from Christ or not helping you grow in spiritual things, like that, that's not the purpose, not the person for you. And I've just seen a lot of singles that get all the way down to marriage and, and you know, they have challenges. And sometimes it's like, man, I just want to turn back the clock and go, what were you thinking when you were, Dating, well, I was lonely. And loneliness is a real thing, but listen, sometimes God calls us maybe to a season of loneliness so we can trust him because the God of the universe is not gonna forget that you need a mate. Like wake up one day, 30 years from now, like, man, I forgot all about so-and-so. They did need a spouse. No, he's gonna have you intersect with that person in the right timing. And listen, there may be somebody here today that, that your next step of growth and obedience say, you know what, this, this relationship I'm in is not, it's leading me the wrong way. I need to break up. Trust God for his timing. Gulp, right? See, that's living in the stretch. That's doing the hard stuff. Maybe it means being a part of your local church. Man, I could preach a whole sermon about how people of faith, Christians, they link arms with other Christians in committed relationships called the local church, pooling their time, talent, and treasure for the good of the gospel going forward so that we can fulfill the great commission of taking the gospel and fame of Jesus Christ to every tribe, tongue, and nation. And, and so here, I'm wondering, ready? I'm wondering out loud. One of the things that's been really unique in the life of Coastal ever since I've been here, really, is that for every one member of the church, we have three attenders, and so last week I was looking at the numbers and I was like, man, we had about 1,500, a little over 1,500 last week. That included kids. So if I took the kid number out to 250 or 300, that leaves us 12 to 1,300 people that were here last week. And we have like 550, 580 members. Like, where's the disconnect? Well, I believe Jesus and I love Jesus, but this thing called the local church, which is the bride of Christ, mm, because those people get on my nerves. Of course they get on your nerves. You need them to grow to be more like Jesus. How are you going to learn patience unless someone gets on your nerves? It's the beauty of marriage, okay? Like, it's helping you be more like Christ. 
right? And by the way, I mean, shameless plug, membership class this Saturday. According to my mouth, there should be about five to 600 of us here, okay? It's gonna be a great time and we'll have food for all of us. It might be your next step of faith. Maybe it's a, a small group. I get up here, and ah, why is he so ramp? raving about small group because that's part of your spiritual journey, connecting with other people, rubbing shoulders with other people, unpacking the word of God in community. You know, maybe your next step's to be in small group. Maybe you're here this morning, the next step for you is just to become a Christian, right? Faith and, and stretching and, and it's just become a Christian. You've been kicking it, you've been hearing the messages and like, what? And by the way, it's not faith in faith, it's faith in the word of God, it's faith in historical facts. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, the resurrection of Christ is the linchpin of it all. So if you're here today and you're not yet a believer, what you should be doing is investigating the resurrection of Christ because if that's not true, then yeah, you can throw the rest of it out. The apostle said that. But if a dead guy comes back to life, listen, if I attend your funeral and three days later you show up at my house, I'm gonna believe what you say, all right? I'm gonna be like, they must know something, okay? This is linchpin. Again, it's not faith in faith. It's faith in some historical facts that we go, man, that's, that's the intervention of God. I don't know how else to even describe that. And if that's you and you're, you're like, like, and you're not a believer and you're just kind of like going along with the culture and throwing the cultural stones without ever doing any legwork or thinking or investigation, man, I want to challenge you. The, the eternity is at stake with this stuff. So don't go away and just like throw the stone and be like, "Eh, I'm just gonna go with the flow. Listen, all of us gets a funeral one day. What's next? I want you to have eternal life and it's only found in Christ. So come talk to me afterwards. I got some resources I give you to investigate this thing called the resurrection. Faith, Faith bumps against our giving. Right? We were in Thailand. I was sharing with the team and they were sharing with me some of their stories, some of their giving stories. I'll tell you something, some of the, some of the most memorable things in my life of seeing God work, and, and listen, God, God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't mean your money, but there's, there's been those moments where, you know, I, I gave probably more than seemed normal, and some of you have done that too. And, and then to watch God provide, sometimes by the end of the next week where I was way out there, and guess what? When I came in here in corporate worship on Sunday, my worship was different. I was fired up. And it's not, again, when I talk about money, I'm not after your money. I want you to know the God that provides. That's what I want you to know. And so we take the word of God and we're like, eh, maybe it applies, maybe it doesn't. Faith always has a go element to it. The second thing about faith that we learn from Abraham's story, when God blesses us, we're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Genesis 12, two and three, God continues with Abraham. He says, I'm gonna make a, a great nation make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and all the families of the earth shall in you, on all the, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's generous gifts to us are always meant to be shared. We're not to hoard God's blessings. God has blessed us, it's, it's meant to be shared. We're to be generous. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, what's God's greatest gift to you? 
If you're in church and the pastor asks a question, you're not sure what the answer is, just go, Jesus. It's probably Jesus. And you'll be right a lot of the time, okay? So, Jesus, right? Let, let, me, let me make sure you understand what you're saying when you say Jesus, right? Here it is. Here's the gospel message. You're a sinner. Apart from Christ, according to the scriptures, you're in complete rebellion to God. And because he's holy and his character is just what you deserve and what I deserve is the wrath of God. I deserve his punishment. I deserve the full-on onslaught of the holy wrath of God. That's what I deserve. And I can't earn my way out of it because I've rebelled against his rule, his character, and his law. And not only did I rebel, I don't care. I wanted to rebel. I did it my way, Frank Sinatra, and I don't care, God. But God in his love, like we just sang about, song number three, I know, uh, song number three, new song, I know they're hard to learn new songs, but man, new song, right? God in his love, he gave us his greatest gift, his one and only son, he, who wrapped himself in flesh. Philippians chapter two, Jesus himself didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, but he let it go and he came and he served us and he lived the perfect life. Jesus is the only person who walked planet earth that didn't deserve the wages of sin, which is death, but he took it in my stead. He was crucified, brutally murdered, which reminds us how much God hates sin. He bore God's just wrath and hatred for sin on the cross as he bore the wrath of God. And then he laid, he died and he laid him in a grave. Three days later, this miracle happens and he comes back to life, which we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday. He comes back to life. And when we repent of our sin and believe in Jesus as the savior, all the righteousness, all the good deeds of Jesus are now credited to me and to you by grace through faith alone. I don't have to do anything to earn it. Isn't that amazing? And we get so excited about it, we've told no one this week. We haven't shared that blessing with anybody. I get convicted of that. Like, why am I not opening my mouth to people that don't know God? We just sang about, man, how awesome it is to connect with God, our loving God who sent us his greatest gift. And I tell no one, do I not care? Some of you parents, listen, just share it with your children. Just every so often, take your teenager out and tell them what you believe about God and Christ. Just make sure they know. Ask them if they believe that. I ask my kids every so often. I share the gospel and say, do you believe this? And they may, you know, I hope they never say no, but if they do, at least I know where they are. What we do is we drop them off to the professionals. Let the professionals train them. Oh, it's your greatest gift. It's your greatest blessing. You're blessed. If you know that truth and you know Christ and you celebrate it, yes, man, I know that freedom, then we need to share it by telling others about Christ. And our stuff and our finances and our time, these are all gifts that God has blessed us with to be a blessing. And the blessing, according to this covenant, this promise with Abraham, is to be a blessing for all nations. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. This is actually the piece that I think the nation of Israel forgot. 
They read the Abrahamic covenant. Oftentimes we've been trained in this. We read the Abrahamic covenant and we think it's kind of a land ethnic deal. It's not a land ethnic deal. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that all the nations will be blessed with the hope of knowing the coming Messiah so that we can be saved from the penalty of our sin. In fact, it's really amazing the close relationship between the Abrahamic covenant and the Great Commission. Both of them have a go element and both of them have an all nations element. So Rosemary, I didn't know you were in here until I looked over after the video and saw you here this morning, right? Sometimes we just gotta go. And she got up and said, man, I gotta do something. And I remember when you came to me after a service, you didn't even know yet. You're like, I, Puerto Rico is on all our hearts. You know, I'm like, I don't, it's on ours. I don't know what to do. And you came back and said, I, I think I wanna do this. Okay, let's make that happen. I wanted to make sure you were safe. That's why the Holy Spirit nudged your husband to go. So... Um, <clears throat> But think about the Abrahamic covenant. I want you to go to a land, Abraham, and I want you to, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing to all nations. Now I want you to look at Matthew 28, where Jesus ascends into heaven and he gives this command to the disciples. Go, Matthew 28, 19, therefore, and make disciples of what, church? All nations. So if you're here this morning, you're a Christian, you have this blessing to, to, to share and one of the things we do, and part of the reason God calls us to a local church is so that we can link arms. Not one person has all the gift, all the talent, all the things. You know, I, I couldn't have gone and put glasses on people. I don't even know. I mean, I'm wearing these Amazon readers, you know, they seem good enough. But, you know, God's got different gifts, different passions for people. And we link arms together, and it's called the body of Christ. It's why at Coastal, man, I. I'm, I'm so passionate about missions. It's why we give 10 cents of every dollar. It's why I want every single one of you to go on a missions trip. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm, I'm gonna share something. I don't even know how, how it lands. I just have to tell you, okay? So I went to Thailand. I'm still just kind of processing it. And there's the, the piece that I know that I think God wants us to coastal to do. And we'll share this with the elders in the coming weeks and see if they think it's a good idea. But, but there's pieces of that trip that like <coughs> doesn't involve coastal. It just kind of sits in my soul with like, I don't, what do I do with that? One of, the, one of those pieces, I could share you five, but one of them was the doorman at the hotel where we stayed in Bangkok. Zahid is a Pakistani Christian man, family man. He's got his wife and his two kids. They live in the hotel. He works six days a week, long days. Every time I was down the front, he was there, probably 12 to 16-hour days. He's not, he's not a citizen of Thailand. And so because of that, he can't educate his kids. He's got two kids probably between eight, eight and 14, I suspect. They're somewhere in that age, and they're not educated. He grieves about their education. And, and it, but when we showed up, you know, he, you know, he's like, oh, man, you guys are missionaries. You're here. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so excited. We're here. Couldn't believe he's so excited about his church. And he invites us to church. It wasn't even on our agenda. We're like, yeah, we'll go to church, you know. And we went to his church that Sunday morning. And, or actually, it was Sunday evening. We went to his church. And, 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 like, he was just fired up about the things of the Lord. And as we got to know him, what we found out is he's in Thailand. He's trying to get asylum because if he goes back to Pakistan, he's afraid him and his wife will be killed because they're Christians, for no other reason. 
He's trying to get into Canada. He's trying to get into America. He's trying to get his kids educated. He's working hard. And he was an incredible guy. He was fired up about his church. And, oh, and, and here he, he's kind of idolizing us. Like, you guys are missionaries. And I'm going like, I, what are you ta- I know nothing of the sacrifice of your faith. I don't make that kind of sacrifice. And I just tell you that story, just kind of lay it there and go, that's why you need to go on a mission trip, man. You just need to see brothers and sisters of Christ globally. And as things happen, you're kind of like mind blown. And it kind of changes your perspective. And I'm not saying we don't, we don't thank God for the blessings that we get here in America. I'm not saying we don't use the blessings we have here in America. But we always have to be mindful, man, just to expand our territory. Why? Because God has always blessed us to be a blessing so that all nations will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so faith calls us to, I don't know where I am, bless all nations, go and bless all nations. Third thing, faith, people of faith pause and worship God. And I'll move quickly here. So Abraham goes into the country that God had called him to, the promised land, okay? And while he's there, he's kind of doing this little tour of the promised land. And in verse seven, it says, then the Lord appeared to Abraham. He said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. And then in verse eight, from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. As I read that, I realized, you know, people of faith pause and worship. They just pause and worship. They give thanks. Privately, you know, if you run in Christian circles long enough, you hear the term quiet time, you know, quiet time, you pause and worship privately. But corporately, man, I just want to encourage you. Thank you for being here this morning. And I, and, I, and I hope this is a part of your regular journey. Don't let anything get in between it. Your corporate worship, man. The world, uh, I get it, man. The, you know, my kids grew up, grow up playing sports. And like, it's like the world, young families, it's a lot more being thrown at us on Sunday. It just didn't even used to be there, right? And I just want to encourage you, like, carve that time. Say, no, we're people of faith. And so we gather corporately for worship. That's what we do. That's what people of faith do. And so make this a, you know, a 50, I'll give you two weeks of vacation. 50 weeks a year, okay? Man, you're like, that's what people of faith do. They gather corporately and they worship. They sing and they give praise and they hear the word of God. And so Abraham paused and gave worship. And finally, we see that Abraham's stumble does not thwart God's plans. Abraham's stumble does not thwart God's plans. So famine hits, he's in the promised land, famine hits, he goes down to Egypt, he says to Sarah, hey, listen, lie, tell them you're my sister because otherwise they'll kill me and take you as a wife. They end up taking him as a wife, her as a wife, Pharaoh's take her as a wife. Again, imagine the original hearers hearing this as Pharaoh gets plagued and they're like, ha, 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 God did it again with us too, you know, kind of thing. And they kind of see the parallels and, you know, two people thought that was funny. And so... Um, So here's the, here's the so what on this, and I'll, I'll take you through the blanks because I know some of you have to fill in your blanks. Like OCD. He didn't go over the blank, you know, I know. <laughs> so here's the big picture, ready? We've all stumbled and fell. All of us are sinners. We're in the process, even in our process of sanctification, we still stumble and fall. But God's... Our stumbling does not thwart God's plans. God still invites us to be a part of his plans and purposes. 
See, some of you have taken yourself out of the game because of your past. There's this thing, whatever. It's bad, you know. I, man, if you knew Pastor Sean, I never. And I got really good news for you. The gospel doesn't give any scarlet letters. The gospel gives repentance and faith. Acknowledge the sin, confess the sin, and move forward. And so some of you have kind of taken yourself out of the game and God's not done with you yet. Confess it and move forward. First John 1, 9, right? Or can we take God at his word? We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and do what? Anybody know that verse? Cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Even the junk I don't know I have. And we all have that. God's not done with you yet. Get in the game. It's got a purpose for you to take the name of Christ to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Confess it. Repent. Maybe you're here today. Maybe, maybe there's an addiction, right? And it's like, man, I got this thing that I can't. Every t- it's almost a daily. Like, if that's you, I get that too. And guess what? We have a great class here of other believers to say, you know what? I need, I need a little more work on this one sin area that I need to repent of. And we have an addiction class. And if that's you and you want to join the class, you want to work hard at overcoming that sin so that you continue to move forward because God uses broken people to take the fame of Christ to every tribe, tongue, and nation, then get help and move forward. You can let me know with the connect card. Just put, put your number on there. If you want to be anonymous, say, I need the addiction class information. Put your number or email and we'll, we'll get with you this week and make it happen. Okay? So here's your blanks, and then I'll close and we'll finish this thing out. Ready? Here's the blanks. God protects for his name's sake. Genesis 12, 17. God sees his promises through. Genesis 12, 20, it doesn't depend on us. And we are invited to be a part of fulfilling God's plans and purposes. There you go. Now you all can sleep well. The journey of faith is not stay or sit or relax, it's go. Take God at his word. You've been blessed to be a blessing and we take the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. For some of you, there's some individual application. Maybe, maybe I hit on it. Maybe you need to get in an addiction class. Maybe, maybe you're dating someone that's drawing you away from the Lord and leading you into sin. And you go, you know what? If I'm gonna be honest about my faith, I, I gotta punt this relationship. Live in the stretch, be uncomfortable. Maybe there's another area I didn't even hit on where you know the word of God has been pressing hard upon your heart and you go, man, if I don't do, some, if I don't do something with this, Rosemary, that burning, that's a passion. This is, I gotta do something. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you've been kicking this whole repentant pride has gotten in your way because you've been not a Christian for so long and maybe today's the day. Go, you know what, I'm done with my pride. I wanna be saved from my sin. I wanna have eternal life. Listen, as a church... I'm gonna, this will, nobody's gonna come back next week because I've said this in all three services. Listen, as a church, if you're looking for a church that you get 52 feel-good sermons a year and you never get your toes stepped on and we don't stretch ourselves from time to time with our time, talent, and treasure so that we can fulfill the great commission so that we, for the day when our faith becomes like, this will not be the church for you. 16 years ago, I stood in front of 60 or 80 people and said, guys, we've got to live in the stretch. And they cried, but they did it. And like, what? And I want to continue to be a part of that kind of church, don't you? And so 
As long as I'm the pastor here, there's going to be times I'm going to get up again. And I'm going to be like, guys, we've got to give up our time, talent, and treasure. We just did that two years ago. Well, God's moving. We've got to give up our time, talent, and treasure. For this short little time called life, where you have 70 or 80 years, and then you enter your rest. So that we can take the gospel of Jesus Christ to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Let me give you a couple of them, and I'll pray. Shut up and pray. Guys, we need to build out that other side, man. We've got 20,000 square feet. We need filled with youth and children, and we don't have HVAC. And I don't know the full numbers of the pledges yet, but we're short. That's just it. We're short. Got to do that this year. God, we got to finish that this year. Got to use that space. Not for anybody's anything, except that the gospel would be, it'd be usable space that you've given us for the gospel. In two weeks, Lord willing, we're going to be in Gloucester launching our first campus ever. It's going to be, yes. The, the, the hang up is it, it, we're waiting on our occupancy permit, okay? So once we have that, Lord willing, that will be up there. And we're going to share our teaching team, right? So it's going to make us stretch a little bit, a little bit different. That's coming, man. But why? Because I want to see the gospel up there. I want to see, there's some people up there that are going to get saved because of you guys have given your time, talent, and treasure, right? I took a team a couple years ago to Africa. One of the things that got impressed upon us is the church we visit with called Faith Ministries, who Alistair planted, all right? My mentor, he planted, and we're connecting with them, and, and the, uh, the government is giving land to, or, or helping establish schools because they want to educate our kids. And guess who's doing it? The Muslims. And we left there going, man, we want to be a part of building a school through Faith Ministries. It hasn't happened yet. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's in, our mind, it's in our DNA. We're praying about it. Maybe that excites you. Maybe you want to be a part of that. We're praying about a, a safe home for women that have been human trafficked. We're just praying about it. We're, we're kicking the tires. I don't, I don't even know if I'll see it in my lifetime. I hope I do. Abraham didn't see all his in his lifetime, but I hope I do. But we're just praying about it. Maybe that'll happen, right? Just got back from Thailand. 77 million people. Point less than a half a percent, or about a half of less than one half percent are Christian. About 400,000 Christians in a, in a country of 77 million people. Almost completely unreached for the gospel. You almost can't find a church. You drive around and you don't see any churches and all of a sudden you see a church. You're like, oh my goodness, there's a church. We're gonna be a part of doing something in Thailand, Lord willing. Some of you need to go. <clears throat> As we plan for that, some of you gotta stretch yourself and go, man, I, I never thought I'd be in Thailand. I'm gonna go. I wanna be a church that says, God, we're willing. Man, stretch us. We're gonna live in the stretch. We're gonna live in the stretch. We're gonna live in the stretch. I wanna be like... Father Abraham, who had many sons, be people of faith. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for how it's challenged me. Thank you for this church, God. I know these are people that are excited about being people of faith and taking you at your word and stretching your time, talent, and treasure to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go forward to the ends of the earth. And we do this with this little season called life, knowing that there'll come a day where our faith becomes sight. Christ returns. Sin and evil and brokenness will be vanquished and your kingdom will come fully. We long for that day, God. And thank you for these people here, Lord. I know these are people who are serious about their faith. 
I pray that you continue to bless them so that they can then be a blessing so the gospel will go forward. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.